Hello and welcome back to Onto the Ball. I'm your host Scott Nicol and I'm joined as always by Travis Morgan and James Ob O'Brien. I don't know why I always put your nickname in there, Ob. You should just be James <laughs> O'Brien, but it's Ob and Trav. Um, it's got a nice ring to it, though, hasn't it? It has, not it? Yeah. It rolls yeah. out. I like tongue. it. <laughs> um, I'm going to remember because I never remember for the first time ever. If you're streaming. Uh, Tuning in, remember to like and subscribe. It helps us out loads. Just press that little subscribe button. Yeah, you see it on the screen? Ace, what a couple of days, lads. Um, I can't even be bothered asking you how you are. I honestly I honestly don't care. So forgive me, but let's, let's get straight onto the ball. Are we going to start with Liverpool and Forest, Obi? Um, We've got to start there, haven't we? We've got listen, to start there. I've got... I've got no shame. I uh, in the stream on Saturday morning, I sat in. I said to Trav, "I've just jinxed it. We're going to get beat by Forest one 0 and we both howled because it was so unbelievable. I shared the reel on Instagram because you know it, it's funny. I tempted fate yeah. and it happened, and I'm so cheesed off. The more the the last forty eight hours have gone, Ob, I'm getting more angry and angry. Um, do you want to kick off Trav with what you thought from a neutral, or should we just head on to angry OB? <laughs> but I called it before the game. I said if there's a time to play Liverpool, I know obviously like we've been having the banter about the last couple of results, the Man City game, the West Ham game, two clean sheets and stuff, and it it was a real opportunity to go out there and, and make it three wins in a row with a clean sheet as well. Forrest have been struggling, to be fair. Um, but I said, it's just something about those early Saturday you said it. kickoffs. You're I said taking it, the words I? out of my mouth. You said an early yeah. kickoff and I thought, well, it, it should jinx Forrest, not us. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. It's hard Jesus. to get up for those games, when, especially away from home, because you're not in your own surroundings like, the home team, obviously, they just come in, better breakfast done, but you're getting up, you're getting out of the hotel, you've had an indifferent night's sleep, then you're getting up and it's like straight into the warm-up, straight into the game at lunchtime with a frantic forest crowd. It's it's tough, it really is tough. And I thought you were sort of in control of the game, but Forest like, they got in your face early doors. It was like, they didn't set, they didn't let you settle um, you couldn't get your rhythm going. And I thought, the longer the first half went on, I thought Forrest could actually do something here. I didn't, not at any point during the game did I think Forrest were going to win the game. Even when they went 1-0 up, I thought you'd still have enough quality to come no, back. I didn't. Um, I knew did it was gone. Did you, Obi? I knew it was gone at 1-0. <laughs> Salah I, I, and I Firmino like... were blunt, non-existent. I thought, that's it, it's done. We were, um, I thought we were always going to get something out of it. And I yeah. just kept thinking, pretty much like you, Travis, I was thinking right up to the end, we're going to nick something here, go away and think, that was terrible and we got a point. But we were blunt and we, we weren't firing. And it, I, I don't know whether that's a combination of two key players missing out um, and Nunes and, and Thiago in obviously fitness and, and illness or whether it was just a case of, I don't know, street so three games in just under six days, but that's what they basically had. And it was just like, it finally caught up on what is a dilapidated squad. And I don't know whether that's use or I don't know if that's a reason, but ultimately the players that were on the pitch should be doing the business. 
There's, there's no there's no other way of going about yeah. it. They should be doing the business. Look at Trav's <laughs> face. Look at Trav's face. He's no. been giving it to I me. I want to get onto this injury situation. Hammer, he's it, been man. giving it to me hammer and tongs, kitchen sink all day. And now we're on mm. the poddy. You can see he's like trying to fight between being professional and throwing the gas around. Come on. Everybody's hitting the nail on the head though with the injuries. Like, is it, a, is it an excuse? Is it a reason? I think... It's a little bit of both because, like, I don't know. I, I mean, the graphic that you put up in the in our group chat with the injuries, like, obviously you've got some quality players out like Nunes and Jota and things like that in, in forward areas, but there are a lot of squad players that are out, like Naby Keita, Ramsey, Konate. Yeah, I mean, Konate, yeah, this forget is what them. I'm saying. You, you still got enough. I still think you should have had enough to win yeah. against Nottingham Forest. I don't think there's an excuse in that individual game. I mean, if you look at it, the, the performance against Man City and the performance in, in that game is chalk and cheese. I know Diaz was playing in that game, but still, like I said, the, you should have enough there to be getting something at Nottingham Forest. And it, it's poor. I think, I don't know, like you said, you're going, you're changing your system every game now, like clocks. It might be because of the injuries it's being forced, but you just can't seem to get a break with the rhythm. It's not a settled squad at the moment. It's not a settled lineup. It's not a settled formation. And the performances are going to be indifferent if everything's changing all the time. I think Klopp, the best thing he can do, like you said, I think he needs the World Cup. I think he needs a break because it's like the, the way the squad's looking at the moment and the performances. I mean, Trent was on the bench at the weekend. He played Milner again. Like you said, three games in six games, he's going to be knackered. Do you know what I mean? The guy's 36, yeah. he's going to be absolutely shattered, to be fair to him. And then it's like, you just don't know what team you, you're going to put out as a fan as well. Right, like, yeah. you, you just don't know what lineup he's going to pick. And I think you're treading on thin ice when you don't know what, what, like, what your lineup's going to be. Personally, that's what I think. Thank you, Trav. So, Thank you for that, that real opinion. Uh, OB, honestly, he's a. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing because he actually he, he renamed what our group chat the big reset today because I said we we want to get through to the World Cup and then we're going to see it as a reset and he's like what do you mean reset what are you going to do what is it and I'm like get some players back from injury no but you've hit the nail yeah. on the head there Trav with your yeah. um, analysis of rhythm and I don't know about you Ob but it's this sounds stupid right but the fact that we know Diaz is out and we know Jot is out. It's a bit like, right, we can just deal with it now. But when you've got players like Thiago and Nunes and Canate probably pulling out with four hours to go of the game, that's that's the thing that almost we can't deal with because the the whole formation, the strategy, the plan, it was probably all out the window. So it was kind of like Absolutely. a patched-up team and it looked like a patched-up team in the performance. And it was a bit like last man standing, whoever's fit, grab a shirt, you're going on. Obviously, Milner, it right back... I don't know what the feeling is there. I, I don't. I can't understand it. That's not taking anything away from how well he done against Man City, but you're into a, like this group of games now. If Trent Arnold isn't your right back and you're putting Milner in there for the long term, like the mind boggles. Um, but it is look no. There's no messing about about it, right? Opinions and banter are good and that, but we have got six first-teamers not available. That's more than half a team. Canate, Matip, Nunes, Thiago, 
Diaz, Jota. They would all have been starting. So that probably would have allowed Gomez to go right back. Canate centre-back. Matip could have been centre-back, who I prefer. So, yeah, it was a shambles. Um, but the bit I don't agree with, Trav, was you saying in the first half they were getting in our face and setting our stall out because I, I'm a little bit embarrassed because I've been watching football for 30 years and I fell into a trap. I text you both saying the more Forrest don't pressure our centre-backs, they were just giving us the ball and they were standing off us 20 yards and Gomez and Van Dijk were just able to spray it around. I thought, you're showing us but too much respect. Traps, they, well, they yeah, that was traps. it. So that's why I'm embarrassed yeah. because I'm thinking they're not here to play. They, they'll be happy with a nil-nil. We're going to take them apart when really I fell into the trap. They just thought, we're going to get five chances this game. So as long as we stop you from taking one of your 20 chances, we'll take one of our five chances and get out here with a win. And I fell in the trap. I feel like an idiot for for being so confident in 20 minutes because don't, don't beat yourself up I mean at the end of the day I think we all kind of fell into that trap a little bit of going yeah. look they're not going to do anything against us they're not going to do anything against us to, to be honest with you large parts of the game I didn't think they did a lot against us but the interesting twist from the other games that were played in and I'm going to refer back to the West Ham game in the second half here is that We've been doing well with not having the lion's share of possession. And I think we've been doing well away from the ball. They give us the ball. There was there was stats after stats coming up. Last 10 minutes, Liverpool had 90% of the ball, 80% of the ball. And they were happy because they weren't doing anything. They were just knocking it long and hoping for scraps at certain points and just hoping that they took that chance. How mm. we never scored a free kick against them... Mm. One of the most annoying things they were they had a high line, they were leaving so much space for us to attack, yeah. and we kept on messing up. Van Dyke, when he headed it back across the box, I could have kicked the telly in. Mm. Mm. I can't believe he didn't head that towards goal. That I, was I don't, mad. I don't understand what he was thinking, and he kept getting in positions, even the chance at the end. He had so much time, he could have placed that. And what he, ch he chose to do was just get it on target. And it gave Henderson half a chance. Now, don't get me wrong. Henderson made a great save. And various points of the game, their whole team did really, really well. Ultimately, they deserved the win. The stars aligned for them, though. And it was like everything was going wrong for us that could go wrong. And if we played that game 100 times, we'd win 98 of them. I honestly, honestly believe that because we had so yeah. many good chances. And it was just not going in. And you do have games like that, but back to the performances and, and, and individually. Gomez, shocking. <laughs> shocking. Cavallio, shocking. Mm. I was going, you can't have them two playing on, because they kept giving the ball away. When I've read back about what Jones has gone through the last sort of 10 weeks, I, I give him a little bit of a break because he's had some really bad injuries. But it comes back to me, and I put on the chat to you guys earlier, why the hell are our players getting so many injuries suddenly? And there's got to be a reason for it. You can tell I'm getting annoyed now. <laughs> Keep going, mate. Keep going. <laughs> but, Let me just get the popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Popcorn. But why are so many players getting injured? Yeah. We have a squad. We're not covering more distances than we were last season. We're not covering more distances than we were for the past three, four, five, six seasons under Klopp. So why are so many of these players getting injured? What is going on within the club? 
what is happening within the team? What training are they doing that's wrong? What do we need to do differently to sort this out? Klopp's got to find the answers to that. Yeah. Are these Klopp, it's the whole team. Are the players getting injured in games or is it in training more? It seems to be a mixture. It seems yeah, a to be both. a mixture. But, I mean, t- with, with regards to Thiago, Thiago had an ear infection. Now, I understand that affects your balance. You can't play the game. 100% get that. That happens. That's part of life. Everybody gets ill. Everybody, and, 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 yeah. Nah, that nah not for me. Not for me. An off-balance Thiago is still can do a better job than <laughs> Curtis Jones. <What>? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, if, if he's got an ear infection, his balance is gone. And if he, he, Man he up and get on. Field. No way. No, well, you've got proper old school. <laughs> Can you imagine Roy Keane pulling out with an ear infection? Yeah. you got to play. Well, it's your job. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, it's, it's about us making sure that we're, we're up for these games. I didn't feel like we're truly up for it. I felt like we're loose with the ball. Um Dibbering that led to the free kick that led to the goal was criminal. Yeah, there's no other word for it. A guy of that ability, and we've been singing his praises, and then he goes and has a shocker. It's like he can't play three or four or five good games in a row, he's got to have a shocker. Now, I could list loads of times that he's done that in the past. He had a really shocking game at Arsenal one time, and Scott, you can really off. And it's just out of nowhere you think we've got to play him, and then he does that. Mm. And it was just a terrible performance from him. Van Dijk was good, quite good defensively, I thought, overall in the game. But going forward, his head is every time we got space, he I don't know what was going on in his head, and it looked like he was in shock. He could have had a hat trick. Yeah, he could have had a hat trick. Absolutely, and he normally would have. And this is what I don't understand. I think Carvalho and Jones were giving the ball away like it, like it was confetti. They were just literally just giving it up every time. So they can't play in a team together. That could be youthful exuberance and it could be one of the players just come back. And uh, Elliot looked slow, to your point, Scott, and you made that very clear. He looked slow at points. But I think that's because we had the ball a lot. I don't think he's great when he's more in more advanced positions. I think he's really good when he's on the right side and he's protecting a... a and he's protecting and he's maybe getting the ball and being smart with it and his passing and his movement is really, really good. But if you're yeah. looking for athleticism in a, in, a, in, a, in a midfield, he will give you energy, he will give you legs, but he won't give you pace. And yeah. He's a right-sided oh, midfielder. He's not a right winger. He is. Um, Do you know but, what? He'd be really good. He'd be really good, Scott, if he was playing in a team that didn't have a lot of the ball. Yeah. Thinking about this. So if he played for... If he played for, I don't know, Bournemouth or someone like that, he would fit in really well. He'd suit into their system if they play 4-4-2 and, and, and these teams that don't have a lot of the ball and they go away to these big clubs and they try and keep tight and nick something. And that's what he showed Sunday. And that's what he showed in the second half against West Ham. And we're not that team. We need a, we need a team that's comfortable on the ball, that are not going to give up possession, keep the pressure on the team and keep ploughing and ploughing and ploughing away breaking the lines and breaking down teams eventually just because we're so persistent with not giving them a moment and that's what do. and that's exactly not what we did the other day we just passed the ball around really slowly and it was to watch so you, you've, you've got to wonder how much um, how much of this has come from Jurgen Klopp. So I don't know if you've noticed the change in his demeanour, Obi, but he is not the same guy 
um, that come to the club seven years ago. He's not, and it's it's not because he's lost it. He keeps trying to send little sound bites and signals to the owners. You can see his frustration is boiling over. So if you th- remember when we had injuries problems two years ago, he was always defiant to not let it come across his weakness to our opponents. He'd say, as long as we've got 11, we'll be competing. And you used to think, fair play, like he, he, he doesn't want to give anything away. But if you think of him now, he's coming out of all sort of things. Um, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, he was like, no one can compete with City. When I heard him say that, I thought, that isn't him. It's like he's almost thrown the towel in already or setting us up for a defeat against City or getting his excuses out the way, which obviously rival fans jumped on. Um, But I thought, that isn't him. And then this week he said, we haven't got a squad that's ready to play three three games in six days. But again, everyone's got to play three uh, three games in six days at the minute. Yeah. But what is the what is the expectation at Liverpool? So as a fan, like, like can we, with we the need injury money. situation, we need with the money, injury Trav. situation, can, can Klopp like validate this season's poor form through injuries about where you're going to finish? And the second thing is, listen, listen, listen. Will, will the board cut in some slack if you don't finish in the top four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Look, Jurgen Klopp walks on water in Liverpool. Simple as that. We could finish eighth, and. Weirdly enough, that would probably prompt them to spend a bit more money than they would if we finished fourth. Which is I don't think Kobe agrees with bizarre. you. Bizarre. I don't think Kobe agrees with you. I think I think he, he he he's going to get away with one. He'll get away with one season. We had that season where we had a lot of injuries, and once again, referring back, what's going on for us to have so many injuries? So if you think about the season where we scraped back in when we had Nat Phillips and um, Williams playing at the back, and we were basically a, a strapped up team and we kind of got through with our defensive players where we played Fabinho Henderson at the mm. back in various games. Um, Is that the season that Alisson scored a header and you got top four that one? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We would have got top four without that goal, just putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, what happened on the last day, but it basically took the pressure off. Um, yeah. But, but, but for all intents and purposes, we seem to have these absolute massive periods where suddenly we've got injuries throughout the squad. Now, I don't know whether I just don't pay enough attention to what other teams have, have got injuries, but I don't I don't think I can see another team in the top end of the Premier League who have as many injuries in bouts like we do, and I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Right, so if you think about Saturday, this is the, the point I want to make, right? You think of our last four marquee signings, right? I'm not having Harvey Elliott, he's not marquee. And I'm not having Carvalho. He, he's a, a youth um, brought in for £5 million. Both of them, they are not marquee signings. Think about mm. our last four big signings, OB. There have been Nunes. He wasn't there yeah. Saturday. He's injured. Canate, uh, yeah. he wasn't there Saturday. Injured. Jota and Thiago, they weren't there Saturday. Injured. Saturday's team was full of stale players that have been at the club four or five years. You think of Fabinho, Salah... Uh, Firmino, Van Dijk, Robertson, Milner, Allison. The, it looked stale. It looked patch, patched up. But then when I look at yeah. other teams like Man United, and I'm not being... Well, I am a bit jealous. I said in a couple of streams ago, I want £200 million to spend every summer. I've, I've, had, I've yeah. had enough now. I want to compete. I want to see what Jurgen Klopp could do with that. But for the first time ever, I could name you Arsenal's eleven now. And I can name you Man United's yeah. eleven. 
No, Man United's are probably a push I could have, but Arsenal's I've had banter in the group trav and I've said I can't name you Arsenal's team. I can now. Mm. They've spent the money, they've got a settled team. There's no point in us doing a pre-match show before Wednesday night, Obi, about who, who might play, because we don't know. They're all injured. No. There's no point in trying to guess what the formation will be. Let me know who's fit, and I could probably pick a team, but there's just no well, point. Forget, we are just, just forget stale. the signings. Forget the signings for one minute, though. Like, last season, you pushed City to the end, yeah? So... Did you go into this season thinking you needed a massive overhaul? I certainly didn't. As a neutral from the outside looking in, when I looked at your business, I thought you signed a top-class striker to replace Mane. That was a no-brainer. Carvalho, I didn't really know. I knew he was had good potential, but I just thought he was a young player. And who else did you sign? Calvin Ramsey. Right. Was it just that? Yeah. Ramsey... Nunes on reflection, on reflection, it isn't enough. But I don't think anyone thought that. I do think it is a little bit of a separate issue um, from the actual drop-off in the levels of performance. I don't think that excuses it that to the degree that that's being made out. I just think there's been an accumulation of things, like getting off to a bad start to the season because... The pressure is on you, really. For the last five years, you're the only team that's challenged City. Mm -hmm. So everybody expects you to go toe-to-toe -to -toe from the start. So if you, you start dropping points early, the magnifying glass is out and everything's going to be magnified. Now, it's difficult to not take it out of context because when you think about it, you're only four points off Man United and everyone's praising how good Man United season is. So it's difficult to not like become hysterical about the situation. I think the negative thing for Liverpool is, is that you're not actually playing well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you're not actually, you, you don't feel confident that you can go on a run of six, seven, eight games and win them on the spin like you normally do. The old Liverpool, even after a bad start, you know you can put a run of 10 games together and you can be right back in the mix. Even if you're not challenging for the league, you can put a run together. I can't hand on heart say, even as a neutral, going into games that Liverpool are definitely going to win that game. And that, yeah. that I think Klopp just need, like you said, you need to sort of, in a weird way, start again with the performances. I think he needs to go back to what he knows, go back to the 4-3-3 that he knows or whatever, get Nunes central. I know Firmino's been amazing, but get Nunes, get Nunes central if you're going to do that. Get Salah on the right. And then, or, or get Nunes on the left and Firmino up front and Salah on the right. And just go back to what's made you so good for so long because I know you've got injuries in that, but I just can't see it improving a great deal if he, if he keeps changing it. No one's going to get any confirmation to me. I agree, I agree with you to a point, Trav, but I was thinking yeah. about this the other day because I, I went down the same thought process, but then I arrived at a different point. So, interestingly, Henderson didn't start on Saturday. Now, the reasons for that not really fully explained. He came on as a sub late on, mm. but he doesn't look—he doesn't look like he's got the same energy. He doesn't look entirely fit, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, Fabinho, there's a good chance that he's not fit, or something's happened because he's dropped off form. But he doesn't look as if he's got the legs. He doesn't look physically right. So something's going on there. I don't think Klopp's got the legs 
in any free midfielders to cover the distance to play 4 3 3. Did you and know I, that, I, OB, at the start of the season? Because I want to follow on after you where I think I was in denial with myself. Did you know that at the start of the season? I knew we needed a midfielder. I believed we needed a midfielder. And Klopp told us we didn't need a midfielder. But he actually came out after the game and said, I said at the start of the season I didn't need a midfielder. And I was wrong. And, well, fan base knew. Um, the pundits knew. Everybody was talking about a midfielder. Now, I think they tried to land Bell in him in the summer and he didn't get him. And, and Klopp won't settle for second best. So a little bit of arrogance, yes. I think he'll take it on the chin, but ultimately, he needed somebody in there. He needed somebody in there, and he went. He ended up going down this Arthur route, and it did, and that hasn't panned out because he's ended up cropped as well. Probably try to get himself up to Jurgen Klopp's version of fit. Um, Broke himself. I knew, I, I knew, I knew, and I believed we needed a midfielder. And when Klopp's telling you. I always think to myself, well, he knows more than I do. And I always back off and go, he knows more than I do. But in my view, I thought, towards the end of last season, I thought we were seeing little bits of, of some of them players looking as if they were starting to get past the peak of their, their ability to midfield. Yeah. Um, we saw little signs and they've dropped off. Now, whether that's injuries, whether they're, they're basically soldiering on through injuries, we have no idea. And he'd never tell us anyway. Because then it would let on that there's a deeper problem. Um, God, you know, Scott, they need a midfielder. They yeah. needed somebody. And I think I referred to it on last podcast. I think they need two. Oh, so God. I now think that they've, they've accelerated now. the problem. Yeah, they've accelerated the problem. We're at the point now where I was joking about Bellingham and Rice, but through, we're not going to spend the money now. Have we not got the money? Of course we have. We're, we're making millions and millions and millions as a club. We've run on a really tight ship for a long time. They need to sort it out. And maybe it's an FSG issue. Oh, 100%. Does that not, 100%. Does that not worry you, though? Like, if everyone was fit, you still think you need two midfielders? That, no, that mean... no, 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 no. Right? Listen, at the start of the season, I think I had my red-tinted specs on, all right? And I said to you, Trav, I'm excited about this squad. We're ready. And, you know, you, the, the normal banter. But I must yeah, have yeah. known deep down because you know what I think about 30-plus players. All right? So putting the gas to the side, Henderson and yeah. Thiago are both early 30s. So I knew deep down, Fabinho falling off a cliff like he has, I don't think anyone could have predicted. It's a, a phenomenon. It's, it's weird. Um, mm. But you can say a sentence about every single midfielder. Curtis Jones always injured. Cater all was injured. Oxley Chamberlain all was injured. 36-year-old James Milner is 36. Thiago Henderson, both in their 30s. So it, it's not rocket science. But now, well, like you say, we've, you we've could ended literally up... Get rid of, you could literally get rid of well, you're gonna. 90% of all of them and you wouldn't even... But that's the thing, you're going to. Milner is not going to get another year. It might be a player-coach role. Hopefully, well, basically, if Milner gets minutes next season... That wouldn't have been part of the plan. So he might help us out in some shape or form. But Cater will be gone. Oxley chamberlain will be gone. Milner will be gone. Curtis Jones, is he going to make the grade? Who knows? I'm not writing him off. Tiago will be 32. Henderson will be 33. You know, like Obi's just said, we need major surgery. Van Dijk will be 30-something. Do you know what I mean? Matip's already in his 30s. 
then you look up for me in his 30 as well. Like, there's a lot, there is a lot of 30s in there, to be fair, all I, the way I, through I, the team. Are you trying to tip us crazy, over the edge, the, Trav? Yeah. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> We're just the talking crazy, about midfield. The crazy thing is, the crazy thing is, consistent <laughs> midfielder at six years and our most consistent player who was never getting injured for long, long time, just played loads and loads of games, he decided to have a contract dispute with and let him go for nothing. And that, and that was genie. Yeah, exactly. And he just ticked the game. He just controlled and played. And he couldn't find another club. He hasn't found PSG. PSG doesn't suit him because they're expecting him to do way more than what he, he needed to do in, in the Liverpool team. But he just got it. He got the system. He got the understanding. And they had a contract dispute with him and let him go. And it was like, of all the guys you'd want to have at the club now, Go through that midfield and try and find one that you have above Genie Wijnaldum from two years ago because I don't think there is a single one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We've basically traded in Thiago uh, for, for Wijnaldum. That's what we've done. We were saying we're getting, letting Wijnaldum go. Thiago's going to have Wijnaldum's wage and a bit more um, when we should have been releasing Oxlade-Chamberlain, selling Cater if we could find a buyer, releasing Milner. It, it's, it's been a massive mistake, but we That's... have to give a little bit, a little bit of credit to Nottingham Forest as well to, to oh, do yeah, what I'll they take... did at home. Massive, Absolutely. massive credit to Forest to to do what they did at home. With the chips are down as well because they've been they've been shipping a lot of goals as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They've been conceding a lot, not scoring a lot of goals, and they just went old school. Just a lot of hard work, organization. You had chances in the game, and a lot of them. But H- Henderson, you just come up against Henderson in form for that game, for that particular game. And they rode their luck and they and they got their just desserts really for, for the endeavour and the hard work that they put in. So yeah, you can't you can't take anything away from Forrest. When I was at work today them. when I was at work today I was thinking on the pod poddy tonight, I'm not giving them any credit, but I was just still angry. But if you look at them, yeah. they sorted out their defence a couple of games ago. I think they've only conceded one in four now. Yeah, they, they two in four and, and, and it, Brighton and it, as well. Yeah. And as important as for the players to give the players some credit, give their manager some credit as well because yeah. that that has been a really difficult time for him to go through. He's come up, um, he come up before they, they weren't expected to come up. He's had to then buy a load of players because all of the players that he had at the club that got him promoted were loaned and then suddenly out of their, their they couldn't afford to buy them all. So he then had to go and find a load of players. He bought 21 players that everybody keeps taking the mickey out of. But ultimately, they didn't have a choice. They didn't have an option. Mm. So he just had to go and buy a load of players, try and get them to play together. He struggled, and he was always going to struggle. And to come up yeah. with that result is absolutely huge for them. I mean, I'm not I'm not a massive Nottingham Forest fan because of historical um, rivalries, particularly with Liverpool through the 80s and and. They, they, they stopped us winning a lot of things, a lot of points, and I never really forgive them for that. But yeah. ultimately, I know a good few Forest fans, and I, I sent them some messages saying, well done, you got, you, you deserved it. What that club's been through, absolutely horrible, not going up in that playoff from League One against Yeovil, and all of these things that's happened over a long, long period of time. And for them to have that moment, they deserve that. And that manager 100% deserves it. And that group of players have come in and put a real shift in for him. And like I say, the stars aligned for them. They had a bit of luck. Um, if, if Van Dijk had um, got his decisions right, we'd have probably been out of sight. But ultimately, they rode the luck. They knew they were going to have to have a bit of luck in yeah. the game. 
And the big players stepped up for them. And there's no doubt about that. And the system worked for them. So all credit to them. It was just, um, it was gutting and it had to be against us, didn't it? Yeah, and let's not forget, they could have scored two and th- two or three. And I'm not just talking about when we were chasing the game in the last 20 minutes. They had chances in the first half, shots on target, that uh, Lingard, if he, he was a bit more clinical, could have... You know, yeah. they had chances. This was by no means a smash and grab. Um, yeah. I'm just thankful that that chance at the end where Alisson couldn't be bothered running back hit the post because 2-0 would have been like... We've been yeah. battered. Yeah, it would have been embarrassing. It would have. Um, well, like you said, just touching on Forrest, the manager situation as well. When you get when you buy so many players, I mean, if a manager walks into a club, normally they take about ten weeks to start settling with the players, getting to know everyone, and getting a little bit of rhythm. So, like you said, you time is not your friend in the Premier League, is it? You know, when wow. you've just been promoted and you've got to start getting results from the start, it's tough. So. I think it's a good vote of confidence for him and the players that he got a new contract. And it could be the catalyst for, for a good run of results for them. So, we'll see. Fair play to them. Right, that's 40 minutes of anger. Obi, you feeling any better? I know. Uh, a little bit better. A little <laughs> bit better. I've got, I've got a whole world more I could say about it, but we've been going for hours. You need you to guys yourself a massage, OB, man. Just <laughs> get, rid of a, get rid of a few of them knots, mate. A little bit tight. A little bit tight. Knots Forest. Yeah. Was that a pun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Oh, let's, let's get on to Man United. Um, mm. I, I watched most of the game Saturday. Um, uh, I feel bad about it bad they they were they were great and I was watching thinking they are like Liverpool spraying the ball around and really taking it to Chelsea it was just a great Mm. game Um, what what did Chelsea do wrong did that ball go over the line I'm a bit dubious on it it did cross the line it did cross the line OB went over it went over as, as much as I didn't want it to go over and I actually <laughs> called it I actually called it to you guys after the penalty I was like United will still score and you did say it you did say it they, 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 they took the moment and a big yeah. game player big game player he, he did what he had to do the way he stretched for that header as well was just unbelievable wasn't it the keeper should have done yeah. better though Kepper should have done oh. better yeah. Kepper isn't it Yep. I don't know what his positioning was with the header. He came off his line a little bit too much, to be fair. I don't know what he was doing. But I was really impressed with, obviously, the resilience to come back with three minutes to go, going 1-0 down. But especially in the first half, I, re- I really did think we took we took the game to them. Um, and again, similar to Forrest, like we did set good traps, but higher, a little bit higher up. We won the ball higher up and pinched it. And it, and it, it wasn't... It wasn't like counter-attacking, but like I said, we won the ball in really good areas where we could create good chances from it. And it only took one or two passes and we were getting a shot off on goal or creating a good opportunity. And if we were just a little bit more clinical and a little bit less wasteful, I think we would have taken the lead in the first half. I think it's clearly evident we need a striker. We badly need a centre-forward. Um, the Ronaldo situation doesn't seem to be going away. It keeps rearing its head. It keeps changing every couple of weeks as well, which is quite frustrating for us. He can't get any flub. It's, like I said, Ten Hag fancies Martial and Rashford over him, so he, he's, he's a bit lower in the pecking order. Is this Rashford, again, just... is Rashford a left-sided forward then, Trav? Is that it for you? He's definitely not a striker. 
no, like, he's still, in a weird way, he's still young, but I just, it reminds me, when it comes to finishing, he reminds you of Welbeck. He reminds me exactly of Danny Welbeck. He either does something outrageously good or he's rubbish. Like, there's no in-between with Marcus Rashford. He's just not consistent with his finishing. Because you've seen some of Rashford's strikes over the years. He scores worldies, like, most of the time. They're always good goals, a little piece of trickery or good piece of skill, and, and he can hit the ball hard. Like, technically, when he's shooting, normally he's quite good. But then there's, there's times where his technique also lets him down as well. I think the chance in the first half, he got slaughtered. Like, a lot of the fans are saying he should have scored. But if you look at it again, it's just his first touch takes him slightly away from goal. I think if it's in his path, he can either dink Kepa or he rolls it underneath him at the near post. But because he takes his touch wide, Kepa can really, like, shut the angle off. And I thought he did well. I thought it was a good save. I wouldn't have been too harsh on Rashford with that. But he's got a lot to his game as a centre-forward, which is good. But, like, his runs in behind, the timing of his runs are very good. He can stretch people. He's very quick. He's very powerful. He can pull wide. A lot of modern-day striker qualities he does possess. The only thing he really lacks is, like, his hold-up play, generally, and his link play. Like, it's way off compared to, like, a Martial who can bring players into play very well. And just the finishing, like, sometimes if you're going to be a top centre forward, I do believe a lot of that's natural. You can coach it, but you have to be born to score goals. And if you've not been raised as a striker, it's not going to come naturally to you. So it's whether we want to persevere the time and say, right, he's our guy. We're going to make him the main centre forward. I don't think Ten Hag is going to do that, to be honest. I, I think it's just a little bit of a stopgap at the moment. Mm-hmm. Trav, what type of striker do you think that you would go for? As United, because mm. I was I was watching the game and it was quite interesting. So I don't know whether you would benefit from a fast striker um, or whether you would benefit from someone like a Firmino who drops a bit deeper and brings other people into play and brings brings the the, the rest of the team up the park, or whether you need a big striker who's going to be dominant um, like a Haaland or a, a Nunes. What what type of striker would you think you would you would benefit from most at United? I know what type it will be a two hundred million pound striker because yeah. that's what man you can do just splash the cash. I know exactly. So who who, but, who is that? Who is that? What you want actual name? <clears throat> yeah. Well, we were linked with Benjamin Sesco in the summer, and he went to Leipzig. Then we were linked with Osimhen from Napoli, but they wanted a hundred million plus Ronaldo. So that deal didn't happen. Um, Unkunku's going to Chelsea. Unkunku would be my pick, if I could yeah. pick. It would be Christopher Unkunku, definitely. Just because of his flexibility, I like the idea of that Liverpool-style front three when Mane was there and those interchangeable positions, the fact that they can all pop up on either wing, all play through the middle. And I, and I see a front three of Anthony, Unkunku, and Rashford or Anthony Nkunku and Sancho, although Sancho is not on good form at the moment. But I do think that kind of striker would suit us the most. Somebody who's, whose main job is to score goals and play through the middle, but can go wide. Similar to the ideas Liverpool had with Nunes, I suppose, because we were sort of linked with him as well and he chose you. But 
that's the kind of forward I do think we need. Like, we've had the Ibrahimovic's over the years. We've had the Lukaku's and stuff. And it might have been the managers that we've had. And it hasn't really worked. But if you look at Ten Hag's record at other club, at his previous clubs as well, he did have Sebastian Hallow, who used to be at West Ham, went to Dortmund, was very successful. But he was really good under Ten Hag, who is that sort of old-fashioned back-to-goal, big target man number nine. So I don't know what idea the managers got with the centre uh, centre forward. But if you look at the names we were linked with as well, we were linked with Sesco, who is that big sort of target man. But he's quick as well. So my gut feeling is I think Ten Hag will go for a bigger type target man striker, someone who can hold the ball up. But I would like to see the other profile. But we'll just have to see. Is Harry Kane's opportunity or chance at 29 years old, do you think that's gone now? Yeah, I think that ship sailed, mate. I think yeah. I think the only way he's down for Harry Kane, not in a disrespectful way, but I think he's definitely peaked. I can't see him getting any better with age. Um, he's never had blistering pace anyway. I'm sure he'll stay at the same level that he is for the next couple of years, but I don't think spending £100 million on him is going to be worth it if you're only going to get a couple of good seasons out of him and then there's a risk of no resale value, big contracts and stuff. If we were in a position to probably win things next season, like we did with the Van Persie in 2012, and he, and you add him and he goes and wins a title, that's different. But I still think we're another season of built rebuilding, another season of topping a little bit more Deadwood. We need another window like we've had in the summer. If we can add another three or four, um, cover for cover for Varane. I'd like to see a striker come in. A box-to-box midfielder. I wanted De Jong in the summer. If we could get a box-to-box midfielder, because I like Ericsson, but again, he's going to be 31 in the summer. We'll need someone a little bit younger than that and and um, somebody to compete with Diogo Dalla, and I think we'll be really, really strong next season. But the main priority is definitely a striker. Yep, and that, uh, you've just mentioned Varane there. That looked a, a nasty injury. Is that is that him out of the World Cup or are you waiting for results of scans? I don't scans? think he's... It's a hamstring injury. There's no length of time on his return. But I do think he is going to make the World Cup. He'll definitely be back after the World Cup, which is good news for us, because I always shudder inside myself when I see him go down. I'm thinking, no, Maguire's going to be back. <laughs> Harry Maggs is in turn. It just kills me. Every time I see Varane go down, I just have to wince. But no, like, people think I've got a vendetta against Harry Maguire. I really haven't. I don't oh, haven't you? Why haven't you? He's not <laughs> even a footballer. A I don't rate him as a player, but like I don't, I try not anymore. To personal, yeah, <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I know because when it, the, the thing is, we, it just feels like he doesn't play for the club anymore. I'll be honest, as a fan, like he's not played, he hasn't started. I think he's played the last game he played was against Brentford, and I think he played one Europa League game, and at Ten Hag's done his best to try and keep him involved but do you know like he's like a school kid who gets picked last do you know when you do your last pick and he's against the wall and like oh, I love Maguire I love Harry me yeah. and it's just Ten Hag's just trying to keep him involved in the club and I feel sorry for him in some senses because he, he, he loves the club and he wants to do well but he's just not good enough I don't think his leadership skills good enough either he doesn't look confident in himself so you can't lead a team when you're not confident in your own ability Whenever he does an interview, he's extremely defensive, like he feels the pressure loads. He doesn't look cool, calm and collected or he lacks composure massively. 
and I think he needs a move now. And people are saying, oh, well, I think he'd do a good job for anyone in the top six. And then you ask them what club in the top six, and they can never answer you. They just say, oh, well, just someone in the top six. I'm like, you don't have to defend him for the sake of it. Do you know what I mean? You can say he's not good enough. It's fine. And I think he could do a job in the Premier League, but I don't think... I mean, I look at Newcastle and Sven Botman playing centre-off. He's not as good as Sven Botman and players that they've signed. And Newcastle have gone in the top four. Can't see him at Spurs. Couldn't, definitely can't see him at Liverpool or City. I don't think Chelsea would take him. They've just signed Fofana and Koulibaly. They've just signed a couple of centre-offs. So where does he go? Like, in the Premier League, where would he go? Back on loan to Wigan. <laughs> No, but uh, I don't. I don't want to turn this back to Liverpool because this is the Man United yeah. segment. But I've just sat here getting even more bitter, Ob, because Man United can spend eighty million on Maguire, fifty million on Wambasaka, fifty million on Shaw, eighty million on Pogba, and basically just throw it all in the bin and still spend two hundred million. So all I want is to spend two hundred million, but spend it wisely. I'm not even asking but to put God. it all in the bin in two years' time and have another two hundred million. This is just what infuriates me. But Scott, Man United, Man United as a club of run is not to everybody's liking, and it's mm. certainly not to a lot of their supports' liking. Um, they're running up massive debts. They've got a stadium that is, by their own admission, and Gary Neville's talked about it on quite a number of occasions, it's crumbling. And at some point, everything's going to have to calm down. Mm. So I think this is a real push to get back to this established top four Champions League every season. And they're doing the right thing and they're going about it the right way. They've probably got a manager in who they've given an initial decent amount of money to. But at some point, I think it's going to stop because they cannot keep putting that club into more and more debt. And that has been going on consistently. And it's, it's like a, it's a short-term game to just try and steady things out. And then they'll probably look at some point to reduce some of that debt because and that, that club can't sustain what they're doing at the moment. And I don't know whether you think I'm right, Trav, but... I just, I just see it, it tumbling out of control and they could end up in, in bother long term if they keep going the way they're going. So what you're saying is, yeah. calm down, Scott, they're going to go into administration soon. It's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I've got. Um... <laughs> no, I, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think because of the brand, man, you will always have investors or people that probably would want to buy the club, if, if I'm honest with you. I don't think it would ever get to that extent. But in terms of it being sustainable, you're definitely right. We can't keep spending 200 million every summer. Definitely not. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think it's interesting what you said. I think the manager is the key at the moment because I think he's done really well and I think he's had to learn fast um, from the Brentford game when we got packed in 4-0 because, again, we just looked in dire straits from that point. And he's really got us organised as a team. Like I said, I'm really impressed mostly by the way that we're defending as a unit now. Um, and we're really hard to beat, not conceding a lot of goals. I just think now going forward, I mean, in that second half, you could see that we got a little bit leggy. So I think going forward, barring the World Cup, we're going to have to rotate the legs a little bit more. He's done it with... Casemiro coming in over McTominay. McTominay had a good stint at the start of the season. Eriksson's been, like, not dropped, but he missed a few games through illness. And Fred's come in, and then we had Casemiro and Eriksson back on Saturday. So we're keeping it fresh in midfield. We're able to do that. That's why I just need a, a little bit more rotation in the forward areas, because obviously Anthony's going to be playing on the right quite a lot. 
that's why I just think we need a little bit more depth up top if we could just have a striker. The striker situation is the one that's toying with me the most. Maybe we promote somebody from the academy. I know Garnacho had a really, really good preseason. He plays off the left, but he can play through the middle also. But if we're not going to buy in January, I would just promote him to the first-team squad, to be perfectly honest with you. He's an Argentinian first-team international. Do you know what I mean? He plays. He comes off the bench. He's played with Messi and stuff before. And you, you, you must have something about you if you're getting in the Argentinian squad at his age. He's only 19. So for me, I would promote him, give him a chance, and give him a few minutes, maybe in the Europa League and stuff, just see how he does, see how he can handle it. Just and that's to, probably um, why... Sorry, OB, carry on. Um, that's probably why they went for Ten Hag as an option over all these other guys. So I remember Pox was talked about, etc. Is it Ten Hag's out of Ajax, which is obviously a building, a, a squad that builds from the youth team and they have yeah. this churn of players over a consistent period of time and, and you can bring players through from your youth academy and you can also buy them in at the age of 16 and promote them through into the first team buying relatively cheap. I think that's got to be the sustainable way that United go. And yeah. that 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 particular appointment, a bit of a shout-out to that, they could have gone down the Conte route. Conte wants a load of money, and then they'll be gone in three years, and that isn't going to help anybody. They did the same thing when they went for Mourinho a few years, and then he's going to be gone. And I think it's yeah. a longer-term a longer term appointment. It's probably a sensible one, and it's probably an, an acknowledgement that Although there'll be an initial outlay, you need to be careful about how much money you spend, medium to long term, and we're going to run a, a tighter ship. Yeah, um, just pretty much what I was going to say in terms of Ten Hag and Martinez. A guy on Facebook that I know said he's never loved a player this much since Mark Hughes. I take it Martinez is a firm fan's favourite now. Yeah, he's huge. Massive, massive favourite. But I think it's just the passion what he plays with is just. He, he, he will die for the club, do you know what I mean? He, he reminds you of, not Vidic in terms of the way he plays, because he's definitely a ball-playing centre-half, but in terms of that desire and passion and, like, for the cause, for the badge, he just epitomises everything that we've sort of lacked over the last three years. And you can see the spirit from the equaliser. I know it was right at the death, but what it meant to everyone. Like you said, it was, like, it was as if we had won the league. But... I, that's what I want to see as a fan, do you know what I mean? That's what builds the connection, and I'm really connecting with a lot of the players, especially, like you said, the signings that Tanag's made, he's got them on the money so far, do you know what I mean? In terms of the squad depth and the players that are playing in the starting lineup, I can really see a connection, and it's, it's sort of giving the players that were currently there a little boot up the bum, hasn't it? Like, you, you can see yeah. it's got... It, it's given the other players a bit of a lease of life, which is good, um, because it was, got, it was going a little bit flat, towards the end of the season, Oli, Ranić, and we had the problems with Carrick and stuff like that. And Tenog's really starting to get to grips with the league and get to grips with the squad. Yeah, Casemiro <laughs> went mental, didn't he, when he scored? Um, it reminded me of Diego Maradona at USA 94 when he went mental to the camera and then got caught taking drugs. Somebody needs to do a drug test. I want him drug tested. <laughs> With regards to the way Martinez plays, he reminds me so much of hate saying this out loud. Um, of on, Mascherano, when he, went, when he went to Barcelona, Mascherano yeah. went into the centre-back and was absolutely amazing. And Martinez has got so much of that about him. And it yeah. pushed that team on. I think it was the, 
He, he played in the 14-15 Barcelona team that basically won everything. And it, it's just got so much of that about it and it's horrible to watch. But he is he's a great player. He is a fantastic yes. player. Yes. But yeah, it was a great point. Just quickly going back to the game very, very, very quickly. It was a great point for us. I think I said in, in the previous show that I would have taken one all or would have taken any sort of draw before. And especially with three minutes to go going one nil down, honestly, if you would have seen me in the house, I was absolutely fizzing with the decision that McTominay made. I did not understand it. I mean, it's one of those where if you're jostling in the box amongst people, I don't even think he would have got away with that one. It was that blatant. Normally you have a little bit of a tug, don't you? But you don't wrap your arms around people, even when there's players amongst it, especially with VAR, you can just look at the replay. I was thinking, what is he doing? It was a real head in hand moment. And I was just really, really frustrated. I thought all that hard work, we should have been ahead in the first half. And then we've gone and thrown it away and we've lost the game. I just I just didn't know what to do. And then to get the equaliser, it was just limbs everywhere. I was just absolutely buzzing. Mc, uh, McTominay had a, a case of the Dejan Lovrens there when I seen him do that. Yeah, thought, he done that? Did, he, did he do that a lot? Oh, he was just a mess all the time. He was a mess. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, do you know what was bizarre? And it shows his lack of intelligence, McTominay. And I'm not trying to have too much of a go at him and call him out. But he was arguing that it wasn't a penalty. Now, this day and age, you've got VAR. He knows what he's done. He knew he'd done it. And he tried to argue the point. I'm like, there's no argument. There's nothing to be said. You can argue about the timing of it. But it was an absolute blatant penalty, and it's just stupidity. Yeah, but you can't even yeah. say VAR anymore. Do you remember Maguire against Chelsea last season? And he had one arm over the shoulder and, and holding him down. It was like a wrestling move. VAR didn't want to know, but that, that's, uh, that's maybe, for another maybe, day. Maybe, maybe he thought he'd get away with it because it's Man United. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a good note to end on. <laughs> right, lads, that, that's a solid hour. Um, 40 minutes ripping Liverpool to shreds. 20 minutes of superlatives about Man United and their bottomless pit of money to spend even more next summer, which makes me feel sick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, don't forget, guys, to like and subscribe if you've made it this far. This is an hour in. Travel, appreciate it. OB will appreciate it, as will I. Uh, yeah. Join us for the next stream. Trav, OB, thanks ever so much for your time again. Thank you. Um, we'll probably Thanks, do one towards the weekend, reviewing Champions League and Europa League, and then what's to come this weekend. Who've Man United got this weekend, Trav? We've got West Ham at home on Sunday. West Ham at home. Four. We're yeah. home to Leeds, Obi. It's home, isn't it? Yes, we are. Yeah, it's Saturday night. It's the late game, isn't it? So I think what, it's half five. No, it's later. I think it's a quarter Seven to eight. Seven forty-five. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've got a spooky walk or something Saturday night. I hope I'm back in time for it. <laughs> right lads it's been a pleasure it's been a pleasure as always yes Brilliant. I'll see you on the next one cheers lads cheers. see you soon bye thank you